Hello. Hello. Okay. <laughs> Guys, just really quickly, it's important that you know that we at Sword of the Story have merch now that you can buy. If you go to tpublic.com slash user slash Sword of the Story, all one word, no punctuation, go check out merch. Yeah. It's very fun. And let us know what you think. And also buy them, because I bought them. <laughs> we bought our own merch. I'm really excited about it. <laughs> and really slowly, we are also on Twitter and This is the worst Instagram. bit of all time. <laughs> and TikTok. Those will be getting more traction very soon. We're going to start actually doing things with them. Uh, yeah. But it's all, um, all of them are under sort of the story, all one word, uh, no punctuation. Yeah. So it's easy to find us. And you can email us at sort of the story at gmail.com now if you have suggestions for stories or thoughts or you want to send us pictures of you and merch. Yeah. Okay. Bye. <laughs> To sort of the story. It's a podcast. <laughs> you already knew that, though. Yeah. It's not Jane, a why don't you tell them what a podcast is? Well, welcome. Buckle up your little butts, my babies. <laughs> a podcast is where we talk, and you are also here listening. We're going to tell each other some stories. And today we have some good ones. Yeah. I actually don't know anything about yours, but... I don't know anything about yours. I got a good one. <laughs> I know that yours is French. Ooh! <laughs> it's a oui oui is French. Mm. Um, I'm going to make a lot of fun of the French today. <laughs> Yeah. Exciting. It's fair. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a child, please don't listen to this. We're going to be cursing a lot. And mine has some pretty... Mine has some themes that might be triggering. And that's what I'm going to say at the top of the episode. Cool. Uh, mine has some violence, and that's it. Oh. And so if you're a child, you're going to love it. You're going to love <laughs> and it. And lucky for you, Max is going first. So... <laughs> <laughs> Get on in here, kids. Oh, <laughs> All right. Yeah, you want to just start? Yeah. I was trying to think if there's anything really important to say, but I honestly don't think so. We have over 6,000 downloads. We have almost 7,000 downloads now. Oh my god. You guys, that's so amazing. So many people. That means seven, our podcast has been listened to 7,000 times. I don't know why I couldn't say that number. Yeah. And we only have 21 episodes out? 20 episodes out? 20, yeah. Um, our mythology episode comes out this week, so not even that. Yeah. 19 episodes. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh my god, there's so many of you. Guys, that's amazing. We're so happy you're here. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, right off the top, if you want A, please like and subscribe. That sounds really dumb, and I don't like that, but it'll help us out a lot. Uh, we would like to eventually get monetized. Yeah. That's a that's a thing we would like to do. That would be nice. It'll help us out. Also, join us on uh, Instagram, and also we have a Twitter now. Both are um, just sort of the story, all one word, all lowercase I guess doesn't matter but um sort of the story on Instagram and Twitter I haven't done anything with the Twitter yet but when I do uh I the people the who follow way. us on Twitter will be the first to know I feel <laughs> the same way about our TikTok we have a TikTok nothing's happened on it it's just I wanted to snag the name <laughs> yeah yep it's important IP yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> before somebody tries to charge us twenty thousand dollars for the URL <laughs> um but yeah, yeah go follow us sort of the story is instagram especially that's where we put pictures of all the books and if you want links we now put them in the show notes so we are yes. moving on up hell yeah
Okay. All right. Business handled. Let's yeah. get some stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, so I'm just going to say at the top here that um, I know we just said that we're going to put our sources in the show notes, but I fully just went wild uh, today. I didn't have a book. I just Googled a bunch of stuff. So <laughs> I pulled from a bunch of different resources. I pulled from the Bard Mythologies website. I pulled from Ireland Now and I pulled from Wikipedia. Oh, I'm Those excited. Are... I love a good <laughs> Irish tale. Yes. Yeah. So tomorrow uh, when we're recording this, so this will be two weeks ago when the episode comes out, but... Um, <laughs> When we're recording this, it's the day before St. Patrick's Day. And yeah. so my first thought was, I would love to do the story of St. Patrick. Yeah. Uh, did a bunch of research. Turns out St. Patrick was a narc, and I don't care about him. Oh. Uh, and then I was like, <laughs> you know who else is great and from Ireland? St. Bridget. Ooh. And then I Googled St. Bridget, and it turns out she's also a narc. Her friend fell in love with a guy and then was going to run away with him in the middle of the night, and she put coals in her shoes. <gasps> to burn away the fire of passion. And her friend was like, oh my God, thank you so much. I'm going to be with you forever. It's like, okay, that's, that's a, a bad thing. friend. Yeah, also, I'm sorry, but her friend did not say that. that yeah. That was not a... I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call bullshit St. Bridget. Your friend didn't say, thank you so much. I'm actually really happy you did that for me. Yeah, well, there is a story that her friend later insisted on, like, being buried with Bridget. Uh, and stuff oh, like that. her friend was super in love with Bridget. Yeah. Is, oh! I guess... Yeah, so anyways, that's I, I got oh, into those a little bit. they had an unhealthy relationship. Yeah, but also <laughs> both of the saints are indicative of, like, the Catholic, uh, like, what's the word? Um, uh, tendency towards being narcs. <laughs> yeah, um, like Catholic imperialism of other countries and stuff like yeah. that, where they tried to wipe out the original, uh, like, Irish, uh, Druidic, and Celtic mm-hmm. religion. So all of the saints... They can go saints, fuck themselves. Yeah, all of the saints from Ireland are, like, these are people who, like, uh, like St. Bridget, there's also a goddess Bridget in Irish mythology, and sh- she gets her name, probably, scholars think, from the Christians coming in and being like, we also have a Bridget, and she's kind of like your Bridget, except that she, like, loves Christianity Good and, like, God. wants everyone to be a Christian. <laughs> Just, um, if there's one thing we can take away from St. Olga, mm-hmm. is that the Catholic Church doesn't care if you're a terrible person yeah. as long as you manage to trick other people into becoming Catholic. <laughs> yep. And welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so those were my first thoughts. And then I was like, actually, fuck that. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. Fuck the Catholic Empire. Not fuck Catholics. Catholics are fine. Okay, yeah, no, but 100%. Historically. My whole family is Catholic. My grandma was magic Catholic. Like, we're that's what I call Filipino Catholics. Yeah. They're straight up witch Catholics. <laughs> I yeah. love it. Also, Absolutely in favor. Really quick. I forgot about it, so I'm going to print some more today. But one of my favorite prints I ever made, because I'm a printmaker, one of my favorite prints I ever made is the one on the wall there. It's St. Patrick driving the snakes out of Ireland, and I made it to be silly last year, and I keep looking at it like, oh yeah, it's time again. Is it, do you want to tell them what it looks like? It's St. Patrick, who kind of looks like Hosier, (laughs) and he's in a convertible, and he has a bunch of snakes who are driving with him, and his staff's in the back, and there's a little sign that says, uh, Ireland 317... Like miles that way because 317 Backwards. is St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. It's kind of fun. It's really cute. I like it a lot. It's my favorite print I think I've ever made. Some people say, look, I get that question a lot and I always forget about it, but I love it so much. I personally think that St. Patrick in your picture looks like the Big Lebowski. He kind of does just... look like the Big He's wearing glasses. He's got a big beard. Um, <laughs> He's got a little shamrock tattoo. <laughs> the dude of Ireland. Yeah, so that was the sort of the, the process. <laughs> 
the process going into this episode is I was like, okay, well, I actually don't want to do any saints, especially because yeah. like the Saint Olga episode just came out and everything. So what I did was I, I went back to. I think we could do a whole thing on Catholic saints or oh, on yeah. Bible. St- we should do a Bible story episode though. Yeah. I really want to do Samson and Delilah. Oh, I want to do Saint Margaret. So anyways, as I was going through, I decided I didn't want to do a saint, didn't want to do anything Catholic. So I looked up ancient Irish myths mm-hmm. and I came across and older mythology. So when we think of Celtic mythology, it's it's um, there are several different religions and like socio-religious themes uh, throughout the history of Ireland where there are different eras, right? So we have like the, the Druids and everything like that. But then also um, even earlier, there are stories about these beings called the Tuatha de Danann. They are an ancient race who were cast out of heaven for their knowledge of magic basically. So they're this ancient race of people. They're all, um, unfortunately, they're all uh, blonde haired and blue eyed. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. But they, uh, they are, they descend upon the earth in a mist and sort of become a force for like nature and for heroism. They are uh, fundamentally opposed to beings called the Fenorians, who aren't necessarily evil. They're just like forces of destruction and stuff like that, basically. They're like more of the monstrous things. They're often depicted as like the giants or like the sea raiders and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like stuff like that. The Tuatha de Danann also uh, in later mythology, they become the Isha, which is the Irish term for the fairies. So like um, oh. when the predecessors to modern Irish peoples who are called the Milesians, when they come in, the Tuatha de Danann kind of let themselves fade into obscurity and become the fairies. Is this... Well, I'm going to see what story you're telling. Do I know this story? I don't know. I didn't know this story. Okay, well then, it's not... I was going to say, is this uh, in the story of Oshin? Is this so that who comes he, up. Yeah, is this who he married? Did he marry no. the Tuatha de Danann? Beautiful blonde haired no. fairy woman. Uh, no, she is she is from Tirnanog, which is yeah. the uh, the youthful lands, the un, like the undying lands kind of. So she is a fairy, but in a different way. They just sound so similar, like yeah, blonde hair, blue eyed, beautiful. I'm not sure what the connection is between the two of them. I didn't look into it, but incidentally, cool. while I was researching Saint Patrick, uh, <laughs> so Oshin, um, we yeah. mentioned this in a previous episode. He fell in love with Neve from Tirnanog. She's uh, basically like an immortal, and she falls in love with him. She takes him to Tirnanog to live forever, youthful with her and everything. She tricks um, him. She doesn't tell him that anything about her land. Yes. And so uh, she's the villain here, honestly. <laughs> um, and so he goes with her and then uh, they live happily in this like beautiful, perfect land. But then he starts to miss his family. He tries to go back home and she says, uh, you can go back home, but you have to stay on this horse the whole time. And if your feet touch the ground, you'll never be able to come back to me. And he's like, OK, cool. So he goes out, he sees his, he goes to see his family, but then he finds that his family is all dead and he's been gone for like hundreds of years. Um, and as he's riding back to Tirnanog, uh, he f- sees a man who's struggling to lift up a boulder and he leans off of the horse to help, and then the uh, saddle strap on his horse snaps, and he falls to the earth. And immediately, as soon as he touches the ground, he begins to rapidly age. Like which your, is the uh, Japanese end. story? Yeah, that you, that almost you exactly the same yeah. story. So he begins to rapidly age, and then as he's like rapidly aging and like turning into dust and dying, Saint Patrick happens across them on the road, this and they like have a-, a long debate about like. Oshin is like, oh, magic got me again. And St. Patrick is like, well, you should have thought about Christianity. And he's like, oh, man, sure wish I did. Like in the last <laughs> moments of his life. And that's one of the stories of St. Patrick. Okay. But also, <laughs> it seems like St. Patrick, or like people who, I wouldn't put this on him, but it seems like they were like, oh, that's a good story about a magic and fairy, uh, but also 
what if we added a little addendum? Oh, yeah. Like, um, it's just such a fucking, like, out-of-place element to the story that's like, okay, guys, this is so obvious that yeah. this wasn't here originally. <laughs> yeah, there are a, a bunch of the stories about St. Patrick are stories like that, where, like, it's traditional Celtic myths, but then at the very end, they're like, oh, I'm dying, my hubris, it got me at last. And St. Patrick, <laughs> like, runs up and he's like, quick, debate me about religion. And they're like, okay. And their final moments are spent talking to this fucking devil's advocate motherfucker um i hate him he's a well actually yeah he is (laughs) so good god anyways so that came up and i laughed really hard kernanog is an amazing story guys you should just look that up anyway so these are the tuatha de danan they are opposed to the fenorians okay it's also uh their relationship is less like good and evil and closer to in norse mythology like the aesir which is the north gods and the jotun where like sometimes they'll intermarry they can become friends the jotun sometimes fight with the aesir against other jotun and vice versa so it's it's not kind uh, of like the greek gods and the titans yeah kind of yeah so that's kind of where we're beginning here so there was a great battle the battle of moitera in which dagda the Dagda, who is sort of the king of gods, the Dagda literally translates to the god who is good, not in terms of like good, like friendly or positive, but like good at things where he's just oh. very talented. <laughs> <laughs> and he leads the Tuatha de Danann in battle against the Fenorians. The Dagda, like I said, the king of gods, he has three magic items. He has a cauldron that never is empty. So if people sit down for a meal with him, as many people as can fit around the cauldron, will have enough food for them. It's basically like a cornucopia. Mary Poppins. Yeah, exactly. Motherfucker. And then he has um, a club or a staff, yeah. and with the with the whacking end, he can kill nine men at once. And then with the handle end, he can heal himself. Uh, some mythologies he can, or some stories he can heal other people with the other end. Cool. Uh, yeah, which is really rad. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing is his harp. Wathna, I think, mm. which is the translates to the four-angled music. It's made of oak and it's encrusted with gold and jewels and it's incredibly beautiful. And this is his favorite of his three his three magical items that he brings with him everywhere. So he is considered like a mighty leader in battle because before battle, he will play his harp and the music notes will send all of the men in the army into a state of glory, basically, where they, they lose all of their fear and they are willing to fight to the death for honor and everything. It, it turns them into, like, perfect soldiers who are, like, bloodthirsty and ready for battle, basically. Ooh, okay. um, it puts them in berserker mode. <laughs> oh, that's unfair. Uh, and then, after the battle, um, he strums the harp again and it, like, soothes their wounds, it soothes their hearts and minds, so, like, their friends who have passed away in battle... It helps them to feel better about that and everything like that. So because of this harp, the Dagda is able to just wipe out Fomorians left and right. Jesus. Um, because his army is basically unbeatable. There's never... It's like perfect morale at all times. <laughs> and so that's that's a huge boon yeah. for for the Tuatha de Danann. Uh, so in this second battle of Moitera against the Fomorians... The Dagda plays his harp, and his army is invigorated. They rush into battle. The Fomorians, meanwhile, are their numbers are dwindling, and they're realizing that they're not going to be able to beat the Dagda in battle. Mm-hmm. So they hatch a plan. They hear him strumming his fl- his harp before the battle, and they decide that's where his power comes from. We need to get that away from him if we're going to win any of these battles. That's fair. Yeah. It's, that's fair. <laughs> Even the playing field. I don't know. I don't know yeah. why anybody... Sorry, I don't know if you're going to say this, but, like, are we against them? Because it seems like they are just 
Are they evil? <laughs> <laughs> they are. So they are like white. They're like um, the Fomorians are going across and like salting the earth and burning the forest. Oh, and everything all right. Like well, that. then fuck them. Okay. Environmentalism <laughs> is real. Fomorians. <laughs> Depending on who you ask, but yeah, um, <laughs> not environmentalism is real, but like the level of evil in the Fomorians. What devil's advocate? What has the environment ever done for us? <laughs> Debate me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the Fomorians send a small group of their soldiers to the stronghold of the Dagda, mm-hmm. where he keeps his harp while he is fighting in battle. And they send a small force and they sneak around behind Dagda's men and they get into the castle and they steal away his harp. And this small force retreats uh, miles away to an abandoned castle and they wait and they, um, they try and strum the harp, and it doesn't do anything. It doesn't make any sound, and it doesn't have any effect on them. Oh. Um, so they're like, okay, so it's magic harp, and we can't use it. But at least he doesn't have it, right? Um, and so they sit there, and they wait. And eventually, the Fomorian forces begin to trickle back towards the castle. And mm-hmm. the Fomorians realize that they've lost, which wasn't entirely unexpected. But, you know, now they have the harp, so the next battle will go better. Mm-hmm. So finally, all of the Fomorian forces come back to the castle, and they all decide that the most important thing is that they protect this harp from being retrieved by the Dagda and his men. Um, so they all lay down to sleep in this massive great hall of this deserted castle that they've come across. They all lay down to sleep on the floor between the doorway and the harp. Meanwhile, the Dagda has returned to his stronghold with all of his men, and he's realized that his beautiful harp, his most treasured possession, is missing. So they're still in berserker mode? <laughs> uh, I guess. Holy shit. <laughs> so he turns to his men and he says, men, my harp has been stolen from me. Who will come with me to reclaim it? And two of his mightiest fighters, mm-hmm. um, who are actually also two of the Tuatha Dé Danann's gods, kind of. Um, they, they're like mighty fighters of history and stuff like that. Agma, the artificer, and Luke of the long arm offer to help. Agma, the artificer, incidentally, is where we get the term Agam runes, which are like the magic runes in uh, Celtic mythology. Cool. So he was, he was the one who brought runes from heaven when they descended and gave people magic in Celtic mythology. So Agma and the Agam. Do you think his original name was like Tim? And then he was like, just kidding, Dogma. My name is Agma. <laughs> like, you're so cool. I just want to be like you. Yes. No. <laughs> Agma, Agma and Dagda and Luke. Of the long arm. Oh, poor Luke. Uh, Luke of the long arm is, um, I'm also not sure that I'm pronouncing that right, it's mm. L-U-G-H. He is considered like a fantastic spearsman, which is where the long arm comes from, but he's also a fantastic artist. Oh, Just a fun little fact about hot. him. Yeah. So Based on nothing. <laughs> sounds hot. <laughs> so Agma and Luke uh, volunteer to join Dagda as he goes to get the heart bag. Mm-hmm. They sneak up to this abandoned castle where they have seen the Fomorians retreating to. And it's the middle of the night. They look and they don't see any lights on inside of the castle. So they very, very gently creak open the door and they see hundreds of these Fomorians asleep on the floor. And on the far wall, they see the harp. Mm-hmm. And so they sort of like sneak the door back closed again. And Luke is like, okay, well, we can't fight all those guys. <laughs> Okay, Luke, can and, you please? And Agma's like, Dogda no. are about to like. <laughs> uh, and Dogna's like, no, you're right. That's that's too many guys for us. So he creaks the door back open a little bit and he holds out both of his arms and the harp comes flying off of the wall where it's been hung. It cracks loose of the wall and flies into his hands. 
Um, what? Yeah, Holy over shit. the heads of all of these sleeping Fomorians. So this sound of the, the harp coming off of the wall wakes all of the Fomorians up. And they're all sort of like bleary-eyed and they start to go and reach for their weapons. Yeah. And they didn't have a lookout? Like, this is a terrible army. No wonder they're like losing. <laughs> so Luke sees them all waking up and he, he leans over to Dagda and he's like, hey man, now would be a really great time for you to play that harp. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but then they'll all be berserkers. <laughs> so. Berserker. That's not Berserkers. Yeah. So then uh, Dagda strums his harp for the first time. Yeah. And meanwhile, all of the Fomorians are reaching for their weapons. They're starting to get up and, and walk towards him. He strums this first note on his harp. And all of the Fomorians break out into hysterical laughter. <laughs> <laughs> this note is the music of mirth. Uh, so they are all, all of the Fomorians are laughing so hard. They're like pissing their pants. They are doubled over. They can't breathe. They're laughing so hard. And then every time they like sort of stop laughing, they like start laughing again because they stop. Like it's, they're incapacitated by how hard they're laughing. But eventually, you know, so some of them are able to get their weapons back in their hands, even as they're like chuckling quietly to themselves and they start coming towards Dogda again. Oh, the Dogda. Terrifying to have people now laughing yeah. trying to attack you. And so Luke again says, uh, again, though, would be really useful to have you play that harp. And the Dagda plays another note. And all of the now, now piss-soaked Fomorians <laughs> um, begin to sob. No! They start crying their eyes out. This is the music of grief. And they are all like... Um, the women are crying, the babies are crying, the men are crying, and they're like, no, man, it's fine. It's totally fine. Babies? Whatever. Yeah. I thought they were, I thought they were at war. Why'd they bring the I women and babies? I don't know. Okay, this is just the plot of Simply Irresistible. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, go watch Simply Irresistible. Sarah Michelle Geller has a best friend who's a crab, and she cries into soup and makes everybody else cry, too. That's... <laughs> And it has the guy from Boondock Saints in it. It's a wild movie. <laughs> so all of them start crying and all the guys are like, whatever, man. It doesn't even matter. I don't even care. Whatever. Just don't look at me, bro. <laughs> so all the Fomorians are like sobbing. Um, they are sobbing like everyone that they've ever loved has died. And what? they also just watched a puppy get kicked. <laughs> they are absolutely losing their minds. So, like, but eventually through their tears, they're able to reach down and pick their weapons back up and begin to advance on Dagda again. And Luke is like, hey, man, for real, though, like, can you help us? Because we cannot fight all of these guys. <laughs> and so the Dagda plays one final note, um, the music of sleep, and all of the Fomorians collapse on the ground, Why didn't passed he out. Do that to Why didn't he do that in the first place? Dagda's just having a They were time. already asleep. <laughs> Like, just keep them asleep. Yeah. Anyways, so he plays the music of sleep. And yeah, all of the Fomorians fall down in slumber. And Dagda and Luke and Agma all leave. They return to uh, their stronghold. And the harp is never stolen again. Nice. So that's the end of the story. A little bit more stuff that I want to talk about, though. The Dagda, like I said, kind of like king of the gods in this sense. He's, he's sort of a parallel to Zeus. He Weird. is... Yeah, he um he's specifically like a god of agriculture and also like glory and heroism and war and everything like that. But yes, associated with fertility, agriculture, manliness and strength as well as magic, druidry and wisdom. 
according to Wikipedia. Um, he can control life and death, the weather and crops, as well as time and the seasons. So he also uses this harp to uh, set the seasons in order and make sure that people's crops flourish and everything like that. He's sort of like the, the harp is sort of equivalent to like the equinoxes. Yeah. Um, so he like strums the harp and the seasons come and go, um, which is very cool. But like specifically, he is a god of life and like vigor and everything like that. Mm-hmm. His wife is the Morrigan. Oh, shit. Yeah. The truth bringer. (laughs) The Morrigan, uh, if you're not familiar, is sort of the opposite of him. She is... Oh, I know their love story. That's so weird. Go ahead. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Um, The Morrigan is... um, A a lot of times she's given parallels to the Banshee, Mm -hmm. um, which was actually... The Banshee was a later figure. Um, There is some evidence that the Banshee is a later form of the Morrigan, but... The Morrigan would come onto the battlefield and she would inspire men to, like, fight to the death, basically. So she, it makes sense in that way that she and the dog die are together. They're both, like, war yeah. and spirits and everything like that. But they're also both spirits of, like, fertility and agriculture and all that. She is a goddess of femininity while he's a god of masculinity. All of this makes a lot of sense. Specifically, hot, hot. The, the Morrigan, she goes onto the battlefield and she oftentimes will appear in the form of a crow. Uh, she will often depict the outcome of battle and she will cry over men who are going to die, who are destined to die, basically. Angie, um, that makes sense. Yeah. But she's also fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> she's any, like most of the time when we see her, she is like all in these black, like super sexy robes. And she, she appears as sort of, she's um, one of the many, sort of three-faced goddesses where she appears as like maiden mother and crone Mm -hmm. she is she's just terrifying she's technically the goddess of carrion like corpses that you eat yeah um and of carrion birds and stuff like that corpses that you eat (laughs) not that you eat i suppose um her uh the Morrigan literally means either the Phantom Queen or the Queen of Greatness. Um, the Queen of Greatness is thought to be a misnomer because it actually comes from a Welsh translation mm. um, that equated more in Irish means terror. Shit. <laughs> in Welsh, it means the sea. So they're like, as great as the sea. Uh, but she's the goddess of terror, basically. And <sighs> so cool. She's Dagda, so cool. Dagda is described as being massive and super hot and a little bit dumb. What I'm saying is I'm putting forward these two as my new femme fatale uh, himbo yeah. power couple. Yeah, 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 and I yeah, love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. Also, um, the story of the Morrigan and the Dagda getting together is the story of Samhain, of Halloween. Cool. Yeah, because he is the god of life. She is the goddess of death. The Feast of Samhain is the place where those two things are least dissimilar, um, which is why, like, the veil is considered thin on Halloween and everything like that. It's also, there's... So some super yeah there's some super sexy poetry about him coming across her while she's like bathing and she's like as white as the moon and everything like that and he thinks to himself like oh this is a bad idea and then she comes <laughs> up and like makes out with him and he's like or is it <laughs> or maybe it's a, um, a good idea <laughs> he actually he cheats on her at one point and what yes um with the boyne who is another goddess and she's the namesake for the River Boyne and Birna Boyne, which is one of the oldest archaeological sites in Ireland, cool. um, which has like a massive like underground prehistoric cave system. But he cheats on the Morrigan with Boyne, and in order to conceal the fact that they have a child, mm-hmm. he 
stops the sun in the sky and she stops the flow of time so that the nine months that it takes for her to conceive, gestate, and give birth to this child seems as though it is one day. Jeez. Uh, yeah. Um, anyways, the Morrigan is terrifying. That's great. Also, in terms of the harp in Irish mythology, the president of Ireland's seal is a harp. It's also the icon of Guinness, which you may be familiar cool. with. Cool. Those are actually not the same harp. These are That's the harp of... That's the Trinity harp, which is a medieval harp that resides at Trinity College. It was originally thought to be the harp of Brian Boru, who was the first high king of Ireland, um, and also like a great adventurer and hero and everything. There are tons of legends and stories written about him. It has since been disproven, but it is probably what the harp of Brian Boru looked like. And that harp, the quote-unquote Brian Boru harp, the Trinity harp, is the um, reason for the Guinness harp. It's the reason for harp lager, which is um, a yeah, subsidiary of Guinea- Guinness. Beer. It's amazing. And for the president of Ireland. Also for Daniel O'Connell, who was one of the leaders of the Irish uh, Nationalist Revolution in the 1800s, his icon was also a harp um, for the same reason. So throughout all of Irish history and mythology, we have this icon of the harp. And the Dagda is the first harpist. So this goes all the way back, baby. all the way back. I love that. Yeah. Ireland is just... It's... Okay, I would say... Because I have been so recently obsessed with Greek mythology, mm-hmm. in my head, Irish mythology is completely slept on. Like, I... Oh, yeah. I, I love it every time. And every time I'm like, and that's it, right? Like, mm-hmm. no, Janie, it's not it. They have so many. <laughs> Speaking of Greek mythology, yeah. something that I learned while I was researching the Dagda yeah. is that while he is considered the king of the gods, mm-hmm. his closest parallel and something that there are a lot of... There's a lot of evidence for like a historical connection in terms of like how like worship and mythology spreads. Mm-hmm. A lot of the myths about the Dagda are equated to myths about Pluto or Hades, where it that's the sense. closest parallel. I was actually thinking about that when you talked about him being the god of death and then the Morgan being the goddess of life. It does remind you a little bit of it is. Yeah, so he's the god of life. Oh shit, never mind. But also the god of like <laughs> battle um and like noble death i guess that's cool that's cool yeah which is sick i like it a lot um yeah it's great well and we talked about him being like zeus well in like or the og like yeah religions like that zeus and hades were the same god yeah the orphic the orphic hymns yeah but i wonder if it actually precedes that probably but that's just where we like see it written down Mm -hmm. but yeah in the orphic hymns zeus was like oh shit like i can't be everywhere at once and i have to be in the underworld as well as up here Mm -hmm. otherwise nothing's gonna get done it's gonna be like hell on earth and so he split himself into two and he became Plauton Zeus, which is considered like the wealthy Zeus, and that's the one he sent down to the underworld, and that was who we know as Hades. And then Chthonic Hoot? Chthonic Hoot? <laughs> Chthonic Zeus, or I don't know if it's Chthonic, but um, that's the one that's up in Olympus. Oh, really? I thought Chthonic was the god of... I, I don't think... Chthonic could not be the right word, but it's something oh. like that. And then he is uh, the one up there, which is also, and this is a complete sidebar, but Plauton Zeus was at this point acting on his own and was just like another Zeus, but was like down there and was being mm. the ruler. He's the one who kidnapped Persephone. And I think Persephone did end up falling in love with him with that one in this to him. Like this is a, a big thing is that she was down there with him. And then other Zeus was like, 
hey, I heard, from, like, the fates were like, you have to have a baby with Persephone. And he was like, cool, she's never going to go for me because she's in love with my other me. And so he oh, pretended no. He pretended to be Plowton Zeus. He went down and was like, hey, Persephone, meet me up here. It's me, your husband. And so she went up to the river and she was like, why are we meeting up here in the upper world? Like, she's like, that's really weird. And then she saw him and was like, cool, well, it's my husband. So she walked towards him. And as soon as she got near him, she realized, like, it's just, like, she saw it in his eyes, and she's like, oh my god, you're not my husband. And when she tried to run, he grabbed her and forced himself on her. And that's how, ah. that's how, um, what's her name was born? Melanoe. Mm. Mm. That's how Mel- Melanoe was born. And, like, she came out fucking screaming and, like, tearing people apart because she was birthed from Persephone's rage. Amazing. Yeah. That's but, really good. But I'm saying, what's his name? Dogda could be both. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. They, they could have found the influence from specifically when people believed that Zeus and Hades were the same god. That makes sense. It's also really interesting to me when you compare comparing Greek and Roman mythology with Celtic, I think it's technically post-Druidic mythology, mm-hmm. um, once you have like these gods, or I guess pre and post, since this was pre-Druidic. Because a lot of like the various eras of Celtic mythology, it's, you know, the Celtic Trinity. There's there's three features to everything. Whereas in Greek and Roman, I feel like it's usually two where they're like opposites of each other like that are simultaneously the, the same. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in Celtic mythology, I feel like it's more so like there's actually um there's I, I took a course in Irish drama, um, which ended up being a lot about like Irish history and Irish mythology mm-hmm. um when I was in college. And they talk a lot about the themes of Maiden Mother Crone, uh, where there is the figure of Ireland. I can't remember her name, but she is this figure who appears at all three ages, who is representative of like the spirit of Ireland. So she'll show up in towns when something significant is going to happen, and she will like somehow portend to them something in order to help them. Yeah, especially nice. especially when the English are coming. She'll show up and be like, hey, so here's what you're going to do, <laughs> and you'll never see me again, and then like pull her hood over her face and leave. <laughs> you didn't hear it from me, but... <laughs> yeah, um, so there, it's, it's something that just has a lot of background, especially in like f- the female form and stuff like that. And I know that we also have like... Um, we have like Hecate and stuff like that, but a lot of that comes from the same place, um, which I just think is really interesting. It's, it's interesting in the way really that you think cool. about things. Yeah, yeah. Just how many parallels there are, and how did they, how did they intersect? I don't yeah. know anything about history, but I love it. Yeah, but that's like the Celtic Trinity. Um, when you think of the uh, the Triskelion, the like, it's a, like a three part flower, basically. Yeah. Um, but it's also again coming back to Saint Patrick, like a Trinity knot. Uh, yeah, like a Trinity knot. Yeah. Actually, uh, you're right. A Triskelion is the uh, swirly one. St. Patrick, one of the things that he did was create the Trinity Cross, which was a combination of the braid, which is also like a, it's three parts. It's indicative of a lot of things in, you know, yeah. ancient Ar- Irish Celtic mythology. But he would take that the braid that was an image and also the um, the Trinity knot, and he would incorporate that into the Catholic cross. Um, that's where we get sort of father son and holy spirit I was yeah just the celtic cross because then yeah and that's also where freaking... we get shamrocks um like the mythology of shamrocks is that saint patrick was trying to explain to the irish that you know god is the father the son and the holy ghost and mm-hmm. they're all three different things but they're also all one thing yeah. he's trying to explain it to them and so we used a shamrock where he said like this has three leaves but it's also one thing. And that's why and the shamrock Irish, is... Yeah. And the Irish were like, okay, but when it has four, it's lucky. <laughs> and St. Patrick's like, no, no, no! 
<laughs> There's no fort. And they're like, lucky. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's why the shamrock is sort of an icon of Ireland. I do like, though, that the, the four-leaf shamrock or clover yeah. is actually the icon because it kind of feels like a fuck you to the Catholics. <laughs> lucky. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, I said I wasn't going to make this episode about St. Patrick, but then I did. Um, no, I love it. I love it. Guys, St. Patrick's yeah. Day... Already came. So, like, how For fun, you, though. in the future. Yeah. What's it like? Hope oh, it's not bad. Guys, nothing bad happened on St. Patrick's Day, right? 2022? Oh, God, this feels like a... I feel like I'm a harbinger of doom. <laughs> we just got a Chekhov's gun in the uh, in the podcast. Oh, God. What, what? Okay, well, I'm excited to... Do you want to make a prediction about what happens on St. Patrick's Day for us? Maybe not the world, but for us. Oh, for us personally? Yeah. I don't think anything's going to happen to me. I think I'm going to spend the day printing and uh, being stressed. I'm going to make a ground turkey cottage pie, and I'm worried that it's going to end up kind of soupy instead of having the consistency that I want. I'm excited. Yeah. I think it, it'll still be tasty, I'm sure, but a little soupy. We might have friends coming over. Maybe. Um, Maybe we'll make them watch the Boondock Saints. Who's to say? Oh, we should just watch Boondock Saints anyway. What's another yeah. one? Leprechaun in the Hood. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've watched every single Leprechaun movie, and I will never go back. <laughs> okay, but imagine the one that has iced tea. A leprechaun know. movie. There's a leprechaun movie that has iced tea. <laughs> if it was any leprechaun movie, it would be Leprechaun in the Or Hood. Ice Cube. I don't know which one. It's Ice Tea. I think he's a record executive. It must be Leprechaun in the Hood. Yeah, There's one where because the leprechaun... leprechaun Back to the Hood actually doesn't have any famous people in it. Well, yeah, Except because... for the Leprechaun. Oh, I see. Um, okay, anyway, guys, <laughs> we hope you had a good St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> All right, and we got Janie up next. Yeah, let's take a break first, though. Yeah. Bye. Okay, Max. Okay, Janie. Max, okay. <laughs> Genie, okay. Okay. <laughs> Why is this still fun? By the way, during the break, I took off my nail polish and I also put a bunch of cuticle oil on my nails. But now my fingers are so slippery, I'm afraid I'm <laughs> going to drop everything, including the cup in front of me. So Oily Josh and his... And sticky Josh and his oily boys. No. Uh, oily Josh, oily Josh and the greasy boys. Yeah. You want to tell them real quick what oh. that is? <laughs> <laughs> the closest name to... Jesus is uh, Joshua, so um, and technically it means uh, like Jesus's name is like the Anointed One. So uh, an alternative name to <laughs> Jesus is Oily Josh, and his uh, disciples are the, the Greasy Boys. It's a Tumblr post that I saw, and I can't stop thinking about, it, and it's it makes me laugh. Hilarious, so hard. Oily Josh and the Greasy Boys. Um, <laughs> I am Oily Josh right now, but we will persevere. We will persist. Okay. So I got this book a little while ago called French Folk Tales, and it's a book of selected fables, folk tales, from Henri Perrault. And I'm not saying that right. I tried to look it up, and it was just not working. So what we're doing is Henri, what we're saying is Henri Perrault. Uh, I think it's Perrault, maybe? Could be Perrault. It's P-O-U-R-R-A-T. Henri Perrault. Henri is right, for sure. Yeah. That one I know. I'm not even, like, <laughs> questioning that one, but Perrault. We'll say Perrault. Henri Perrault was a folklorist, a writer, and this is a collection of like selected tales from him. And this one is called The Devil's Three Golden Hairs. 
Mm. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that, but the devil has three golden hairs. Uh, incidentally, Galadriel gives Gimli three golden hairs in That's The Lord of the Rings. Probably from this folktale. Maybe. Except that she's great and nice and it's a gesture of the highest respect. So I don't know if that's what the devil does. No. So basically, <laughs> here's the tale, okay? Mm-hmm. Let me weave you a, a word tapestry <laughs> for your little mind. A, a tapestry made of hair. <laughs> yeah, a, a hair tapestry. Um, so there wasn't once with a rich man. And specifically, I almost didn't get through this story because I read a couple more and I thought they were written really well. But this one rambles in a really weird way where I don't know if it's the translation or what, but the sentences start and stop and it talks at you instead of being written. It's almost like there's like an ADHD person who's talking to you about this story, <laughs> which is what you're getting on this podcast. But like, God damn it, you're listening to it. You're not reading it. <laughs> so this is a quote. It says, the ones with a rich man, a king, maybe he was filthy rich, like a king, cows by the dozen and proud how he drove his people. And that is how like, there's like, one, two, three, four, five. There's five sentences in that. There's like five periods within that Ooh. one little thing. And that's how the whole story is. Just uh, telling the story in like Shatner speak. Yeah. There once was. Oh. A king. It says he was filthy rich, comma, like a king. <laughs> I just, oh, it's so frustrating. So there once was a rich man. He could have been a king. He was rich like a king. He had a dozen cows. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> and he had a beautiful daughter. So beautiful. You wouldn't even believe how beautiful she was. I'm going into Trump. So, <laughs> however, he said, no one can marry my beautiful daughter unless they give me the devil's three golden hairs. Now, he believes this task to be impossible, which is problematic. Why are you making it so hard for people to marry your daughter? Yeah. You're rich. She can actually pick whoever she wants to marry, but instead he's like, here's your impossible task. Go take the devil's three golden hairs that he's very proud of. So one day there was a young man, a very young, handsome, strapping lad. All the adjectives were used to describe him. And he sees the this girl one day and he falls madly in love. He's like, what? And at the same time he sees her, she looks up and she makes eye contact with him and she blushes and they're both like, Wow, like, gorgeous. They're young people in, like, 1800s France. So, like, of course, they fall madly in love at first sight. However, he, you know, is like, how do I marry this girl? And immediately it's like, well, you have to complete this impossible task. And so he thinks to himself, I, I might as well try. The least, the, the worst that can happen is I die on the way. So <laughs> let's do it. Pretty so, bad. Yeah. <laughs> as far as worst things that can happen go, dying is like up is, there. <laughs> I can be dead. And so he decides to go out and try to steal the devil's three golden hairs. So he starts on his journey and he walks over hill and dale and mountain and vale and blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of rhyming and there's lots of adjectives used and uh, lots of starts and stops on repara. And... Eventually, he gets to this big rock and under the big uh, big stone and under the big stone, there's a stream that is flowing out of it. And next to the stream, he sees this big group of people and they're all wailing and crying and stamping their fists and holding each other. And like, he's like, stops and he's like, what the hell is wrong here? Like, what happened? And all of them are like, this river used to give us wine. And he's like, what? <laughs> and they're like, it used to be a wine stream. And he's like, okay. And they're like, now it doesn't even give us water. So it's a dried up stream. Oh. But he's like, no, it won't even give us water. And they're all just crying. And he's like, oh, a bunch of winos here. 
In fairness, uh, when I am hungover from drinking too much wine, I am also very weepy. So like, if like one bad, like if I pick up my cat and she doesn't want to be picked up and like jumps to the ground, Done. I'm like, you, you hate me. I'm a bad person. So <laughs> does that know what's in my soul? So going into this, we know that these people are deeply hungover. Yeah, and we must be patient and quiet with them. <laughs> <laughs> and please, can we uh, can we get them some sunglasses? Stat. <laughs> so. They're like, what do we do? You're new here. <laughs> Tell us what to do. And he's like, I don't know what to do. But you know what? I'm going somewhere where I can probably get that answer. So uh, when I like swing back around, I'll let you know what I find out. And so he leaves. And they're all just like go back hugging each other and crying <laughs> over the loss of their wine river. And so he keeps walking, right? Through desert and snow and, you know, up trees and down trees. <laughs> Sure. Uphill both ways. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually he comes to, like, at the base of a mountain, he passes by this big pear tree that has no leaves or and no fruit on it. And next to the pear tree, there's a big group of people, and they're all hugging each other, and they're crying. And he comes up, and he's like, what happened here? Why are you, I haven't seen people since the last people that were crying, and now you guys are crying? What's up? And they're like... <laughs> This pear tree <laughs> used to give us golden pears. And he's like, oh. And they're like, now it won't even give us green ones. <laughs> and he's like, wow, that sucks. And like, you're, you're new, what do we do? And he's like, I'm not a gardener. <laughs> I don't know. But eventually he's like, you know what? I'm going to go someplace where I can probably get that answer. So like. I'll I'll hit you up on the way back, okay? And they're like, oh, yay. <laughs> they go back crying and holding each other. So then he walks barefoot over coals <laughs> and through rain and mm-hmm. uh, shine and hail's coming down. And he walks yeah. through, like, those prostitute alleys that you see in, like, old movies. Yeah. There ain't no mountain high enough. There ain't no mountain and high enough. ain't no valley low. That's true. To keep him from getting to, to the, the devil, devil baby. Yeah! <laughs> So he he keeps going. Eventually, he realizes he's getting closer. He walks over like us. Okay, so he gets this giant river that's like as wide as an ocean. So the first one was a stream. That's important just because we don't want to repeat river. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how to talk about a stream apparently without calling it a river. So a brook, a brook. Uh, So he sees this giant river and he's like, "How do I get across?" And then he sees there's a boatman and he's like. Oh. Well, that's how. <laughs> Done. My problems are <laughs> solved. And then he goes to the boatman. And the boatman is crying. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like, <laughs> he's, like, rowing sadly. <laughs> like, his tears are mixing in with this giant river. And eventually the guy's like, oh, this is awkward. I can't, like, hey, what's up? <laughs> are you all right? And he's like, I hate my job. (laughs) He's like, oh, you don't like this? And he's like, every day I just take people across the river, forward and back and forth, and no one ever asks where I want to go. They just want to go across (laughs) the river. And he's like, oh. And he's like, what do I do? And he's like, I'm not, I'm not like a, a temp agency. Like, I don't know. I'm not a career advisor. That being said, I am going somewhere where I'm going to find out some answers. So I'll add you to the list, but okay, when I come back, I'll tell you. He's like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> Good God. And so he gets across the river. He finds that on the other side, there's an, a road made entirely of cotton. So it's like he's walking on clouds. That doesn't Ooh. come back, but it's Is like... Is this a mattress commercial? 
Oh, Serta. <laughs> Sponsor us, Serta. Hey, Serta, we're basically telling your story. Yeah. Purple and Casper both beat in your ass, and we're your way back in. Purple and Casper aren't stuffed with cotton. Yeah. Is Serta stuffed with cotton? Nice. Okay. So he walks along this and eventually he comes to a house. Sorry. Sponsor us, Serta, and we will talk about Serter of the uh, Norse Apocalypse Ragnarok. Okay. Here's the thing. This is the perfect, this is, quick sidebar. Anybody who wants to sponsor us, we will find a folktale or fairy tale. Yes. That is close to your name. (laughs) Casper, you're fucking primed and ready. (laughs) We're just going to retell Casper the Friendly Ghost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Done. Okay. Well, that was our call for sponsors. <laughs> Damn it. We're so bored. We're bored. <laughs> poor. Oh, sorry. We're poor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So eventually he gets to a house and he knocks on the door and he's like, this has got to be the devil's house. And who should answer? But the devil's wife, his hot wife. And he's like, oh, hi. And she's like, hey, yourself. And he's like... <laughs> What's up? And she's like, nothing. I'm just hanging out. What are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm just like walking. I was hoping to meet the devil. And she's like, well, he's not home right now. And he's like, oh, you're home alone? And she's like, I might be home alone. Who's asking? He's like, I'm asking. So they do this back and forth, really flirty thing where he's like, this is a great house. And she's like, thanks. That's a great shirt. And he's like, thank you. That's a great blouse. And she's like, oh, thank you. So like they compliment each other back and forth. That's like mentioned. They they just exchange a bunch of compliments. And I'm like, guys, get a room. <laughs> I'm picturing Mrs. McMurray from... Like, oh my <laughs> god! Please, for the rest of this, picture Mr. and Mrs. McMurray. <laughs> okay. So they flirt for a long time and eventually he she's like so what are you really doing here and he's like well I'm here to get the devil's three golden hairs and she laughs out loud. She's like those are his favorite things. His favorite hairs. He loves those <laughs> hairs. So he has all black hair, right? Mm-hmm. But they think, and this is said, this isn't really known, but the people say all sorts of things. They say, like, oh, the hairs are, like, right next to his horns. Or they say it's in the back where he can't see. Or they'll be like, it's in his bangs. He's got, like, a statement piece, like a money piece. Like a Zayn Malik kind yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're like, you know, all this stuff. But he's like, he's like, <laughs> he's spearheading heading the Gen Z trend. Yeah. So... All that. They also say that they don't know where the three golden hairs come from, but the widely believed mythos around those three golden hairs is that it's a holdover from when he was an archangel. So oh. after he, before he fell, he was this beautiful blonde because you know blondes are good. And uh, then he uh, <laughs> trying to think out the least problematic way to say this next part. <laughs> then he fell from heaven, and his hair turned black. And black hair is bad. Classic good and bad. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Western fairy tales. And so, but he has these three golden hairs that are a reminder of the angel that he once was, right? And he really yeah. likes them. She's like, yeah, he's not going to part with those, but what else? And he's like, well, I also have three questions. So he tells her the three questions, right, that he was asked along the way. And she's like, well, I like you, and I'm bored, and I hate my husband, so, like, let's do it. And he's like, yeah? And she's like, yeah, get into the bed. And he's like gonna do it under the bed and she's like no i'm gonna ask him the question get under the bed and so he gets <laughs> under the bed and he waits and eventually the devil comes home satan himself bursts through the door and immediately he's like where's my dinner woman and he starts like stumbling around because he's, yeah he's like an old black and white uh husband <laughs> in like an old sitcom mm-hmm. you know the one where uh that cute show where the man constantly threatens to beat his wife to the moon mm. that cute one one of these days alice <laughs> It's uh, the honeymooners. So, oof. 
It's one of those fun little cute sitcoms. <laughs> so he walks in. Immediately she gives him his dinner, and he's like, this is shit. You're a terrible cook. He eats it all immediately, like, complaining about it the entire time. And then he drinks himself to oblivion and is like, eh, right. And then he passes out face first onto the table. And she's like, well, that took no time at all. <laughs> uh, my life is garbage. I shouldn't have married the devil. <laughs> and so after he does all of these like terrible things and is like a huge asshole, uh, she sits down and she starts to comb his hair, right? And I guess she does this all the time, but instead of using a comb, she uses her fingers. And eventually she finds one of the golden hairs and she plucks it out. And then she throws it under the bed and the guy's like reaches out and grabs it. The devil wakes up roaring and he's like, Oh my God, did you fucking pluck my hair? Ow! <laughs> She's like, I'm sorry. I was brushing your hair then I fell asleep, but then I had a bad dream and yink. Sorry, that was my bad. And he's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> she's like, I know. And so then she's like, uh, but the, in the dream, I have to tell you about the dream. It was a terrible dream. She's like, in the dream, I saw a boatman and he was like crying because he hated his job and he didn't know how to get out of his job. Like his contract was airtight. <laughs> and like, so he kept asking me like, what do I do? What do I do? And then in the dream, I ran here to ask you because you're so smart and you know everything. And then I woke up before you gave me the answer. And he was like, well, that's a stupid fucking dream. We don't even know a boatman. And she's like, I know. But, like, just for argument's sake, what would you do? <laughs> and he's like, this is so stupid. He's like, obviously that stupid boatman needs to, uh, the next customer he has, when he rows them across the river, he needs to hand him the oar and then jump ship and then run away. Now that person's the new boatman. <laughs> and she's like, oh, that's really good. And he's like, yeah, I know. Now fucking leave me alone. I'm so tired. And then he passes out again at the table. And so she waits until he's snoring. And she's like, all right. And then she starts to brush his hair again. Very calmly, very calmly. Nothing weird about this. Pluck! She plucks his <laughs> hair and throws it under the, under the bed. And he wakes up like, jeez, woman! <laughs> Ow! And so he wakes up swinging and she's like, ah, hey, you're awake. And he's like, why? <laughs> you plucking my hair out. And he's just having the worst time. And she's like, I'm sorry, I had another bad dream. And I really want to talk to you about it. And he's like, stop dreaming. Stop it. <laughs> and she's like, okay, but in this dream, I came across a group of people and they were next to a pear tree. And the pear tree used to bear golden apples and now it doesn't. And they were all crying. Golden apples? Sorry, golden pears. I kept doing this in my notes too. I kept oh, writing no. <laughs> apples and then getting rid of the apples. She's like, I used to give them golden pears, and now it doesn't. Like, and I, they didn't know what to do, and so I ran home to tell you, but then I woke up before that happened, and I accidentally plucked out your hair because I was so upset. And he was like, Jesus, all right. Well, if they dig underneath, this, people are so stupid. Like, your dreams are stupid. And she's like, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, if you just, if they were to just dig underneath the pear tree and look at the roots, they would find there's a big rat that's been gnawing on the roots and that's why the tree won't give them any pears. If they just kill the rat, then like all of us, there will be like lots of pears on the tree again. Like that's the only thing that's wrong. And she's like, you're so wise. And he's like, I know. Now do not pluck any more of my hairs. I'm trying to sleep, woman. <laughs> and then he passes out again and she waits until he's like snoring and she like looks at the guy under the bed and he's like, oh my God, is this worth it? And she's like, it might be. <laughs> I don't know. And so she starts to brush his hair again. She's combing and everything's fine. He's snoring. And pluck! She plucks that in a third golden hair. And she throws it <laughs> under the bed. And he wakes up fucking throwing shit now. Like, he throws cups. And this is a quote. There's a couple good quotes in this. The devil jumped to his feet and without knowing it, dashed his glass against the wall. 
He knew perfectly well what he was doing, though, when he sent a plate sailing at his wife's head. So, like, the cup <laughs> Jesus was... Christ! The cup was reflex, the plate was revenge. <laughs> it doesn't hit her. And then he says, again? You've been at me again? Is all this dreaming of yours going to leave me bald? <laughs> Just a hilarious statement. And so she's like, hi. Yep, I had another bad dream. <laughs> she's like, so she tells him about the winos next to the river, next to the stream. And she's like, there's just a bunch of alcoholics and they're sad because their wine river dried up. Like, what's going on, you know? And he's like, if they were to just lift up that stone where the stream comes from, they'll find that there's a big fat toad and it's clogging up the, the stream's, like, passage, whatever. And then she's like, oh. And he's like, yeah. Hang on, so where's all the wine going? Is he is this toad swallowing all of the wine as oh. it comes from upriver? No, it's just like he's damming it. So it's just like it's stopping there. But it has to be making like a lake of maybe, wine then. Maybe. They could just go past the stone and find, and yeah. find a wine lake. I don't know how lakes work, Max. Okay, you're gonna okay. have to Either that or the toad is the drunkest toad of all time. I think so. That's I why. like to think of a wine toad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh they're like, just move the toad and kill the toad and then You'll have your stream back. And I'm like, why do you have to kill the toad? Leave the toad alone. Just move him. Pick him up and put him somewhere else. He seems to be clogging it. He seems to be stuck. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Or he just loves wine. But so <laughs> then he's like, if you wake me up again, I'm going to kill you. And she's like, cool, cool. Well, good night, sweet prince. <laughs> <laughs> then he goes back to sleep. <laughs> so she takes the boy out from underneath the bed and she's like, okay, here's your hair. Do you get your answers? And he's like, yep, yeah, thank you. And then she sends him on his way. And that, like, she did all the work there. Oh, yeah. Like, and also, the devil's gonna know when he finds out his three hairs are missing, he's gonna realize what happened. She's in danger. She's never mentioned again. Mm. She's in, like, full danger. Mm. I'm annoyed by it. Anyway, I wrote in all caps, will she be okay? (laughs) Anyway, so the boy goes home, and along the way, he runs into the boatman, and the boatman's like, did you get an answer for me? (laughs) He's like, yeah. Uh, Romeo across the the river first. <laughs> they get across the river, and then he jumps out of the boat, and he's like, "Cool, you need to trick the next person that comes along. Just give him the oar, and then jump ship." And the guy's like, "Amazing!" And he takes out a bag of gold, and he's like, "For your troubles!" And he tosses him a bag of gold, and I'm like, "You have all this gold? You don't need this job." What? Yeah, you have a bag of gold. You can just give away. You don't need this job. No, just leave. Anyway. Um, then people wouldn't be able to get across the river. So it's a very uh, it's not his problem. philanthropic uh, boatman, I guess. Yeah, I guess. He leaves the boatman and he's like, you know, woohoo, clicking his heels and like reupdating <laughs> his resume to go move into the workforce. <laughs> and uh, he passes eventually the people at the bottom of the pear tree. And he's like, hey, I found out that there's a rat gnawing on the roots. If you kill the rat, then the tree will come back. And so they're like, huh. And so while he's there, they dig around the roots. They find this big rat. And they're like, oh my god, you've been gnawing on our tree! And they kill the rat. And then as soon as the rat is dead, the tree bursts into life again. And like a bunch of pears just like, like <laughs> form on the tree. And they're like, it's back! So they grab like a dozen of the pears and they put it in a bag for the boy. And they also give him a bag of gold. Like, along with the golden pears. They could have just they're... given him the golden pears. Yeah. Sounds like they're in paradise. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) And without them, they perished. (laughs) Oh. I know. And so uh, the story makes a note to be like, uh, back then, gold wasn't worth as much. As (laughs) pears? It was just like, people are just giving them gold. And like, Henri Perrault was like, I don't know, gold, I don't, what do you want me to tell you? I know what you're thinking. And it's like, why is everyone giving him bag of gold? Gold wasn't worth anything. And I'm like, well, then... 
why keep it doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Anyway, so... Then he keeps walking, and eventually he makes his way to the people at the stream who are still crying, and now they are, like, going through extreme withdrawal from their <laughs> wine. And uh, he's like, underneath that stone, you're going to find a toad. And so they find the big toad, and it is, in fact, clogging up all the, like, the way the wine comes out. And they're like, oh, you damn toad! And they, like, pull it out, and instead of throwing it into a different pond, they, like, kill it. And then all the... Rude. I know. It was not necessary. The pear one seemed necessary. There was an element of magic there. This one just seems like they could have moved the toad. Yeah. But as soon as they kill him or her, <laughs> equal toads opportunity. Toads can be girls, too. Toads can also be women. The wine starts to flow again, and they're all like, yay! They give him a bag of gold as well, and then they all start, like, swimming in the wine. <laughs> sure. This matches my Tamama Nome story from last week. Remember the wine river he made her? Yes. Where they were all naked and, like, that's what happened. So then they had that happen. Then they had, like, a big naked orgy in their... <laughs> wine river. In their wine river they all drink from. Bathing in the blood of a single toad. <laughs> <laughs> and so he goes back home and he presents the girl's father, the rich man from before, if you remember, mm -hmm. <laughs> the reason for the story. Sure. And he presents him with the three golden hairs. And the guy's like, holy cow, you you actually went and saw the devil? I didn't think anyone was going to do that. And he's like, that's problematic. Why didn't you want your daughter to get married? Like, yeah. she's an adult now. What the hell? And so, but he gives him the three golden hairs. And the dad happens to look down and he sees that the boy is, like, struggling with all of these, like, bags of gold. <laughs> and he's like, what's in the bags? And so he opens it and he shows him. He has all of this gold now. And the dad's like, oh, hot diggity dog. How'd you do that? <laughs> so he tells him the story and the dad's like, I gotta go. And he like puts on his coat and he puts on his little bowler hat and he sure. carries his briefcase out and he's like, I'm on my way to get some gold. <laughs> and they were like, what? What about our wedding? And he's like, I gave you my blessing. Ah, you don't need me here for the wedding, right? And then he hightails it out of there running to have the same adventure, which never works Never works. So the two get married while he's gone. He passes by the wine river, but he doesn't see anybody. They're not crying because their problems have been solved. And he's yeah. like, oh, I can't help anyone here. No sacks of gold for me here. He's also already rich, you greedy thing. And then he keeps running. He passes by the golden pear tree, but nobody's crying next to it. And he's like, damn it. So he keeps walking. He gets to the boatman and he's like, take me to the devil. And the boatman's like, ah, you got it. <laughs> so oh, no. They get across the river. And before the rich man can jump out of the boat the boatman like shoves the oar into his hands jumps out of the boat and then kicks the boat back into the river and he's like anyway row if you're able and if not learn <laughs> and then he <laughs> runs away and the rich man's like ah no i don't know how to row <laughs> so the learn. story ends with a dialogue which is weird like a poetic dialogue hmm. but i just wrote it all in one it says what next, friends, do you know? Oh, the boatman still roaming high and low. And the other, the richman, where did he go? Still in the boat, he is learning to row. Never made it back for the wedding. And the bride and groom, how are they doing? Not a rhyme. Why, they're happy at home, you see. Still just as happy as can be. That's nice. Yeah, so that's the end of The Devil and the Three Golden Hairs. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's cute, right? I... I think last week mm -hmm. did a story from the magic orange tree. Mm -hmm. This story is in that book. Whoa. Except it Actually, is... Haitian lore and French lore. It makes sense. It does. Uh, the only difference is that it's three hairs from the devil's beard. Mm. Um, and there are a couple of other, like, the, the, the specific challenges are slightly different where they have, I think it's a, like, a mango tree that isn't producing fruit and it's um, Probably a well. Probably specific to ha uh, Haiti. Yeah, exactly. It's a, uh, a rich man's well has mm -hmm. gone dry instead of the river. 
And the boatman is a guardsman standing outside of a mansion. And he's like, nobody's come to relieve me from my shift. Um, and everything like that. And the, the part where the father of the bride goes out on the adventure didn't happen either. But other than that, exactly the same story. That makes a which lot is of crazy. sense. I love yeah. that. Aww, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Really interesting. I really like the difference in flavor between the, the Haitian version and the French version. But it also makes sense. I mean, France colonized Haiti, so... Mm-hmm. So um, it makes sense that they would have the same folklore, but also it would change for the scenery. Yeah. And I'm not sure... I, that is really cool. I'm kind of curious whether it originated in France or in Haiti. Because it could go either way. I'm going to guess it originated in France, only because of how old the story actually is. Yeah, that makes sense. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe either way. It's called uh, Three Hairs from uh, The Devil's Chin. The Devil's Chin, yeah. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Well, this book, first of all, it has a bunch of like, what looks like relief prints in it. Like woodcuts? Yeah, that's what it looks like. And so they're really beautiful, French folklore, but it has different parts like different chapters so one of them is fairy enchantments and i almost did that but then i didn't i was like oh like your mythology episode's coming out and i don't want to do another like fairy story because there are so many of them and i was like Mm. let's 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 look for something different and we'll go back to the fairy stories there's one called the devil which is where i got this from it has a couple stories in there there's one called bandits and it's just all stories about bandits one around the village the mad and the wise which is fun the mad and the wise is a story called fearless gene (laughs) like all right bestiary love and marriage so like there's like a bunch of different parts and i really enjoy them Uh, i do want to talk very briefly about one more story that i was like maybe i'll do this one but it was too short and also it was fucked up (laughs) fucked up in a modern way this book uh Henri perat he was pretty he was an interesting guy but specifically this book the story i just told you has some elements of domestic abuse right it has like the devil's wife getting shit thrown at her and stuff. And it's, like, told in a silly way. So the one I read right before this one was not told in a silly... It was told in a silly way, but it was even more explicit. So this is a trigger Mm. warning, and I'm just going to do it really quickly. But basically, the devil was friends with this old woman who was worse than the devil, and they were constantly competing to who could be worse. Uh, She just was a bad bitch. (laughs) And one day the devil was like, oh, it sucks. Like, I want people to come down to hell, but, like... Every time now there's this like newfangled thing called confession. And so everybody, instead of going to hell, they live these terrible lives. And I'm like waiting for their souls to get down here. And then they confess. And then suddenly they're fine and absolved of everything on their deathbeds. Like, that's not fair. And I'm like, that's true. (laughs) Also sounds like some uh, like Christian propaganda. It does. Like the same thing with the saints where it's like, ooh, dang it. Those Christians keep doing what the Catholic Church tells them to do, and now I, the devil, can't have them. Uh-huh. Tarnation. Damn. <laughs> but also, I agree with the devil. That's stupid. <laughs> and, so, and so, please just, I agree with the devil, and then Janie Rabideer. <laughs> so, he, he the, the old woman's like, oh, well, how about we make a bet? I'm going to get you two souls down here. They're going to be, oh, and I wrote it down, they're going to be unconfessed and unblessed. Which is Ooh. band name. <laughs> um, I want that on a t-shirt. Unconfessed and unblessed. <laughs> um, she's like, I'm going to get you them, okay? And if I do, then you're going to give me some red slippers. Uh, which comes up a lot. This is the same story that I had in... When I, in um, oh, crap. Uh, Raw Head Bloody Bones. Yes, I was just thinking yeah, about that. Um, which is also uh, Louisiana. Like, it's a... So yeah. It has, like, all the same themes. Which is cool as hell. But she's like, I'm going to do that, okay? And he's like, all right, deal. So she goes down. She realizes there's a 
a married couple in town. It's a young mm-hmm. married couple, and the husband is super jealous. Like he flies off the handle, like like no with no warning. And so she goes down. She waits for him to go out hunting, and then he goes back. And his wife is making bread. And what she does is she makes bread and dough, and then she sells it. She gives it to the baker. He'll come by and get some of her stuff and sell it in his shop. So that's like her like work. Mm-hmm. So th- when the husband is gone, she goes up to this young woman who's just minding her own business, and she's like, "Hey, can I?" Can I borrow some flour? And the woman's like, yeah, sure. And so she, you know, comes in and as she's getting the flour, the old woman goes to the bread that is about to be put in the oven. And she very gently, without the woman noticing, puts like kind of fingerprints in the bread, like handprints in a weird way. And so then she leaves and she's like, thank you so much. And the woman puts the bread in the oven and it bakes. So there's clearly somebody's handprint on the dough. And Mm -hmm. so then she goes and the old woman goes out to the forest and she pretends to collect wood. Uh, until the husband comes home and then she's like oh fancy meeting you here it's so weird because i just saw your wife and the baker fucking <laughs> jesus <laughs> and the guy's like what and she's like yeah like it was so weird like she was like my husband's gone now i guess i can go fuck the baker now anyway have a good day and then she leaves and so the guy goes home and immediately confronts his wife and his wife's like i don't know what you're talking about and he sees the bread and he's like well then who whose fucking handprint is that and she's like i don't know what you're talking about they get into this huge fight and he fucking takes his gun and shoots and kills her and then he waits for the baker to get there and he kills the baker he pulls a full oj simpson like a full oj like this is just shot for shot (laughs) Okay. So then he kills the baker. I know. I didn't mean for that to be a pun. But um, <laughs> he kills the baker, and then he slits his own throat with a knife. And then the devil's like, oh, man, like three souls unconfessed and unblessed, and they're all down in hell. And I'm like, why are they all down in hell? And it makes a point to be like, they didn't really know what to do with the woman and the baker because they technically didn't do anything wrong, but they hadn't confessed. So, like, maybe they deserve to be in hell. And so... Wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the devil gives the woman her golden shoes, or her uh, red shoes. And so I'm like, what the fuck? It's so blatantly, like, not even fun, like, not even silly funny. Like, Mm-mm. it's just a story of domestic violence. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> That's uh, fucked up. Yeah, this the story in, when I was doing research for Rawhead and Bloody Bones, I came across the Bloody Bones story mm-hmm. where Bloody Bones and the devil make a bet for who can break up this couple that's really happy. And then this woman comes down the road with no shoes and, sh- and the devil realizes that Bloody Bones is going to be able to break them up and the devil is not going to be able to. So the devil makes a deal with the woman with no shoes and the woman with no shoes goes to the wife and is like, hey, your husband's super handsome. But wouldn't he be handsomer if he didn't have that mole? And she's like, yeah, he would. And she's like, you know what you should do? Take a knife in the middle of the night and cut it out. And uh, by the time he wakes up, it'll be gone. And you'll be able, you know, you'll have a handsomer husband. And the, and the wife is like, yeah, absolutely. And then she goes, to the woman with no shoes goes to the husband and is like, hey, I heard your wife say that she was going to try and kill you with a knife in the middle of the <laughs> night. <laughs> and so like that night, the woman, the wife goes to cut off her husband's mole. And the husband wakes up and is like, you are trying to murder me. And it breaks them up. So there's no, they but don't die, so but silly. they're broken up. But it's much yeah. sillier. Because in that story too, didn't you say before that they were like in love? Like oh, they yeah. were, they had a loving marriage and it literally was just who can drive them apart. In this one, it was like, I'm going to actually go and take this woman who's already in a, a situation of domestic violence, who has like a super jealous husband but also it's not funny you know like this isn't like a fun situation and for it to be in a folktale and fairy tale book i'm like whoa yeah so then i looked up on reparal because i was like what's up with you bud like why are you like this <laughs> the fact that two stories in a row had these themes basically he had a pretty horrible life he was born in 1887 in Ambert, and 
he had a, I don't know much about his early life, but he ended up going to school for agronomy, which is like agriculture. Agronomy. Yeah. Yeah. At the school of forestry. But while he was studying and really enjoying it, he got tuberculosis and he had oh, to no. drop out <laughs> and he was bedridden and it really affected his health for like years and years, right? Like he could barely walk for a long time. When he could, he would take walks every day no matter what the weather, because he was just like, I got to get better. But he really didn't. He had a lot of health problems. He began to write because he needed money. He started to write under pseudonyms with his best friend, Jean Angeli. And he and Jean Angeli were like just the best of friends. They were constantly writing together, always spending time. World War I broke out. Angeli was drafted for the war and Henri Perra would not be accepted. Like he wanted to go to war, but he was still so sick that they wouldn't accept him. And so he felt really ashamed. And then Anjali died in the war. Oh. And he was like just really affected by that. Then during World War One, this town had like 60,000 people. 2,500 men of Para's age died in the war. And so he was basically the only man his age that was left because he hadn't been drafted. And he was like, devastated by that like yeah. all of his friends were dead now like survivor's guilt kind yeah of. he did and then spanish flu hit he got really sick again jesus christ this was like right around the same time spanish flu hit his village he got really sick again was bedridden once again so what he when he was getting healthier it knocked him back and so then he was bedridden for a very long time three months before he was bedridden from spanish flu his younger brother was killed in an accident and then right after that his other brother died because he had been taken as a prisoner of war during world war one and died of his injuries Jesus. Yeah. So this all happened in the same period. He calls his period his period of black anguish. He was just like in a deep depression. And uh, eventually he just continued to uh, collect like folklore, fairy tales from around Amber. Like he was like, this is going to be my life's work. I'm just going to collect folklore from everywhere I see and everyone I know. And eventually he published uh, The Treasury of Tales. And it's a collection of over 1000 folklore gathered from around uh, Amber. And it took him decades to do it. But that's what he did. So That's awesome. I wouldn't put this on him necessarily. I can definitely see why in 1800s France there would be a lot of domestic violence and a lot of stories about it. But it's a dark tale. Like, th- these yeah. stories are silly, but they're dark, you know? And they have a lot of themes where I'm like, this isn't doesn't seem appropriate. But also I'm like... Or am I just used to reading fairy tales that are written more appropriately and more coded? Yeah. And it's also, I think it's also a question of fairy tales that have been sort of toned down over time. Like, you know, people always the talk Grimm about- The Grimm Brothers. Yeah, yeah, the Grimm Brothers, how the original manuscripts are like totally fucked up. Yeah. Um, and then the more recent like publications of the Grimm Brothers tales take out a lot of the violence and the nasty shit. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it could also be like sort of- nice washing of the stories um, that makes us so accustomed to that, you know? Not exclusively, but I do imagine a lot of folklorists, especially early folklorists, uh, were more concerned with... I'm trying to see when this was published, because I think you're right, but I also want to see... This is also... I got this book used. Also, guys, if you're going to get books... So this was published in 1989. Royal Tyler was the one who collected and translated them, but... It just seems like he didn't change anything, you know? Like, he didn't water them down from Peraz. Yeah. Thanks. So pretty good. Uh, if you're going to get books, you were saying... Oh, so the, I got this one from... I got. I did get this one from Amazon, but I was looking at used because I was like, you know what? I have all of these books. I don't need new versions of them. Let's look up the used version. And actually, this one is from Evanston Public Library, and it has like a stamp on there. It still has the library card, like library uh, checkout things oh, on nice. it. nice. Yeah, but it cost me like nothing and yeah. I really like that. So get your books secondhand if you can. Bookshop? 
there's a website called bookshop.com, I think. And uh, they do specifically from like small libraries also. So if you want a new copy of something, going through bookshop.com helps support like smaller libraries outside of like Barnes and Noble and stuff like that. That's, so that's good. great. Yeah. And then I would for, rather do that than Amazon because I try really hard not to shop on Amazon, but also I'm like, if I, if I see something on there, I'm like, I really want it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're going to shop through Amazon, try and buy used. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's something that I think about a lot because I buy a lot of books. I actually just installed my third large bookshelf in our house. And it's this week. beautiful. I'll post pictures of it eventually. But um, I, if I'm trying to support like a living author, like if there's a new book that's come out, I will make sure that I get a new copy so that those funds go to the author and to mm-hmm. the publication to increase their like sales data. Yeah. But if it's something that's older, um, especially like a lot of the old folk tales and stuff like that, it's going to be a lot easier to find a used copy for cheaper and stuff like that. And a lot of the authors are no longer alive. So it, you know, doesn't affect them whether you buy new or used. So a lot of older stuff. um, And also if you have a book that you want to read and you don't want to support the author, for example, if like your parents threw out all of your Harry Potter books and you would like to read them again, get used copies because don't give money to transphobes. Um, And lots of people want to get rid of those books. So just, you know, thinking about like where the money goes when you buy books is great and a really great way to influence the publishing industry, which is its own uh, fucked up can of worms at the moment. This has been a thing too that's happening around uh, book talk because I follow a bunch of authors and people who are really into reading books. And one of the big things is an author recently, I'm not going to remember her name, but an author recently was like, hey guys, I published a book. It was on all the lists of like bestsellers and stuff like that. Here is a very transparent look over how much I made and how many copies were done. So she showed it. She made basically nothing, like basically nothing in the last month off of this book that was like supposedly like number one reviewed and rated. Then she looked up like, you know, all these pirating sites and on every single pirating site, every single thing, her book was number one. And it shows you how many people downloaded it. And she's like, 30,000 people downloaded my book and read it. She's like, I am struggling I cannot afford anything. I am literally having to work two jobs now. Yeah. Even though my book is 30,000 people have downloaded just from one pirating site. She's like, that's, that's shitty. I feel hateful. Yeah. I feel hateful. I'm filled with hatred right now. And I'm like, woohoo. So like, don't steal books. Just don't do it. Especially considering if you honestly can't afford it, which I can't afford anything. If you can't afford it, go to your library. Yeah. Everything is free. You realize this. It's free. You yep. can just... And all the audiobooks are on your library website. They're free. <laughs> Support your local library. Yeah. Um, and and they paid... They, I don't know. There's They don't steal the books, you know? So it's just... It's frustrating that that's still an issue and that nobody seems to realize how people are struggling to live, even though they should be super... They should be getting money off of this. They should yeah. be very wealthy. If yeah. the book is that successful, you know? And especially, I, I have a little bit of an inside look into the publishing industry. Even when authors go through the, the appropriate channels, like, they get an agent, their mm-hmm. agent supports them at the publishing company, which also means that the agent gets a cut, but also it's really hard to get your book published by a big five, pub- or big four, I guess now, mm-hmm. uh, publishing company without an agent. So you have to do that, you have to give your agent a cut, and then the publishing company gets a cut, and then uh, your first contract is going to be basically nothing. So even when authors do things through the rules and even if you purchase them through like the regular channels and they get the amount of money that they're promised, even then they don't make much. So definitely books, if you can support living artists, please do. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, though, fully support like pirating Marvel movies. 
Go for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Disney doesn't, Disney doesn't deserve your money, money anymore. <laughs> Disney is homophobic Pirate and Pirate specifically exploiting, exploiting, exploiting LGBT people. Yeah, this podcast is here to tell you, oh my god, you get sued by Disney. <laughs> yeah. There's one Woody Allen movie that I really like, Midnight in Paris, and I just bought a used copy of the DVD so that I never have to spend money streaming it again. I don't increase the views on it, and also I don't send money to the people who publish the DVD. So just thinking about where that money goes and like who you're supporting is uh, it's a, a huge pain in the ass, but also it's very important. And the more people do it, the better it is. So, you know, Pro-piracy in certain cases, pro-supporting artists and others. Um, just think about it. That's all. Ethical book buying. But also buy it. You know, like, don't... For the Disney movie, don't pirate them, but you can buy them used. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. a it's a big old thing. Yeah, the, the website um, that I get a lot of my new, new books from is bookshop.org. Um, it's purchased through small booksellers, um, like your local bookstores and stuff like that, selling online. It actually came about partially because of the pandemic, because people, mm-hmm. people couldn't visit their local bookstores. And it was a way to support them and keep them open. So uh, bookshop.org is a really great resource if you're looking to buy new books, because um, it still supports small businesses. Yeah. Yeah. And if you guys have any more suggestions, if you have like a really good way that you've been buying books and stuff like that, please let us know on Instagram. Yeah. Um, that's the best way to contact us at the moment. And definitely do it, because we want to hear it. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, guys, episode. that was, those are sorts of stories. Those are sort of stories. Several stories. Yeah. Happy St. Patrick's Day from two weeks in advance. Yeah. From the future. <laughs> we hope it was good. Okay. Uh, bye. Bye. I'll test a test. I'll test a test. I'll say test. JD. Yeah. Foghorn Leghorn Rabadoo. Oh. <laughs> Foghorn Leghorn comes up way more than I thought he would in my adult life. Yeah. I'm constantly referencing Foghorn Leghorn. Same. And he was my least favorite of all the Muppets. Like, he's... I never... Well, he's not a Muppet. No, it's... A, no. Uh, Looney Tunes. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, he was my least favorite. I felt very unsafe around him. Every time he showed up, little, little girl me was like, oh, he would, like, fuck you up in an alley. Counterpoint. Pepe Le Pew. No, Pepe Le Pew I was fine with. Really? Yeah. Oh, I was Pepe Le squicked Pew. out by... Squicked out! Okay, so Pepe Le Pew is a predator, mm-hmm. for sure. But he reminds me of an overly affectionate cat. Like, in my head, I, I saw him as an animal, not as a man. So I was like, you know what? If a skunk came up to me and was, like, trying to, like, kiss me, I would be delighted. I'd be like, what? Are we in love? <laughs> Done. Little skunk friend. You could be around me constantly. I would punt him into the sun. <laughs> I love skunks. Get out of here, Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> Pepe Le you Pew. creepy little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> no, if a skunk came up to you and was just wanting to, like, hang out and cuddle, you would be delighted. Like, no. in real life, you would. Oh, yeah, you but would. not if the skunk was like, ew, I went to fuck you. <laughs> if it had, like, a huge boner. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, also, I saw him as... Band name, the Priapic Skunks. What's Priapic mean? So, like, in um, Greece, Priapus, the god of, like, fertility, was just a little guy with a massive penis the size of him that, that was constantly erect. It's like a, he's like a little satyr? Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a satyr, but he's, he's not, not pan. pan. Yeah, uh, and so Priapic means, like, having a huge engorged penis. Um, <laughs> it's usually, like, a symbol of protection or, like, fertility and wealth mm. and stuff like that. That's probably the reason but, why there were so many dicks everywhere when we went. Yes, yeah, those yeah. are all Priapic idols. Amazing! So, Priapic skunks. Been I've never heard of him. <laughs> uh, was he the one that tried to attack, uh, Euripides? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Not remember. Euripides. Orpheus and Eurydice. Sorry, mm. that's what I meant. Maybe.
Pr- uh, <laughs> the reason why he wrote such beautiful plays was because he had been sexually assaulted by a satyr. Um, who was Priapus? In Greek mythology, Priapus is the god of fertility, vegetables, genitals, and gardens. Believed to be the son Same. of Dionysus and Aphrodite. <laughs> Dionysus and Aphrodite had a thing? Apparently. Okay, so when I think of... I know this is a long fucking test, but when I think of Dionysus, I think of Klaus from Umbrella yes. Academy. Mm-hmm. When I think of Aphrodite, weirdly enough, I think of the other sister. Allison? Yeah. Mm. I can see that. She'd be like a perfect Aphrodite. Yeah, she'd be great. It actually comes from Western Asia, the cult of Priapus. It started in like the northern Middle East and then traveled over to Greece, and that's where the god uh, Priapus in Greek mythology comes from. Cool. Interesting. Interesting. I love it. 